Chapter Seven of the Wild Irishman by Thomas William Hodgson, T. W. H. Crossland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter Seven: The Low Scotch. I have no desire to offer in the present pages a rehash of a former work of mine, which is said to have provoked the Scotch to the point of laughter. What I do desire to assert that, in my humble opinion, it is the scotch or alien population of ireland which has been at the root of ireland's principal troubles throughout the past century ulster may be a fine kingdom the wealthiest most industrious and the wisest and happiest in the country if you like yet it is ulster that bars the way in all matters that make for the real good of ireland every proper irishman knows this and Ulstermen will make no pains to deny it. Rather are they disposed to glory in it, and to brag about it. Ireland, they will tell you, is their country. It is they who have made it. They who have saved it. They who have enriched, beautified, and adorned it. They point to the linen industry, and to the shipbuilding industry. They crack about Belfast, and Porta Down, and about eminent Ulstermen in every walk of life. There would be no Ireland at all, if it were not for themselves. They rule Ireland. What Ireland wants, she may have, if it pleases Ulster. What Ireland does not want, she must have, if Ulster so much as not. That, at any rate, is the view of Ulster, the view of the thrifty, douse Scotch bodies whose fathers got gifts of other people's lands from James I of England and Sixth of Scotland and whose sons go up and down and to and fro upon the earth calling themselves irishmen of scotch descent there are no irishmen of scotch descent and ulstermen are not irishmen unless their descent be irish failing this they are simply interlopers or at best colonists and plantation men and they had best put the fact in their pipes and smoke it Nobody can deny that it was a bad day for Ireland when they came grabbing and grubbing to her shores, just as it was a bad day for England when she took up with them. They got Ulster for nothing, and they have kept it for that same. They have lived and waxed fat on Irish plunder, and the whole force of English legislation has been directed toward maintaining them in their place, fostering their projects, pampering and propitiating them and protecting them against the wicked degraded unreasonable irish outside nor have they been content to confine their greedy attention to their own proper kingdom which is not theirs where the carcass is there will the vulture be and where there is a soft job or obvious pickings there you will find a scotchman so that throughout ireland scotchmen have been scattered wherever the government could find a place for one there is scarcely an office sub-office or sub-deputy office worth the having in all ireland which has not been made the perquisite of a protestant scotchman even the congested districts board employs scotch factors and tom's almanac is little more than a catalogue of scotch patronymics and the pride and insolence and unfairness of them from a booklet called the scot in ulster written by a scotchman 
and published if you please by blackwoods of edinburgh i take the following their english and scotch origin seems to me to give to the men of ulster an unalienable right to protest as far as they are concerned against the policy of separation from great britain to which the irish with the genius for nicknames which they possess at present give the name of home rule could sophistry craft subtlety disingenuousness or the scotch genius for cunning misrepresentation go further to say that when the irish people have said home rule they meant separation is to promulgate a deliberate and wily untruth the irish people proper invariably mean what they say no more and no less home rule never meant more nor less to the irish than a parliament on college green it was the scotch and the scotch alone who set up the cry of separation for a bugbear and a boogie wherewith to frighten the timorous english ruler into stubborn acquiescence in the scotch view of irish affairs yet here we have a scotchman assuring us in cold print that home rule is merely an irish nickname for separation i note with considerable satisfaction however that a scotchman will the author of the scot in ulster proceeds religiously to give away the whole scotch-irish question for centuries says he the scot has been wont to wander forth over europe in search of adventure the italic is ours as a rule he turned his steps where fighting was to be had and the pay for killing was reasonably good again the italics are ours these scots who have flocked from leith or crail or berwick to seek fortune in peace or war on the continent of europe were mostly the young and adventurous for whom the old home life had become too narrow they took with them little save their own stout hearts and their national long heads these two are our italics the time arrived at last however when war with england ceased and internal strife became less bloody and scotland began to be too small for her rapidly growing population for in those days food did not necessarily come where there were mouths to consume it italics of our own which famine-stricken ireland may fittingly ponder then the scots true to the race from which they sprung for norman and saxon and dane are we think of it began to go forth like the northern hordes in days of yore the women and the children along with the breadwinners and crossed the seas and settled in new lands and were fruitful and multiplied and replenished the earth until the globe is circled round with colonies which are of our blood and which love and cherish the old land of the mountain and the flood tut tut and now mark us it was in the beginning of the seventeenth century when the first of these swarms crossed the narrowest of the seas which surround scotland it went out from the ayrshire and galloway ports and settled in the north of ireland the numbers which went were large they left scotland at a time when she was deeply moved by the great puritan revival they took with them their scottish character and their scottish calvinism clearly they had both hands full 
they founded the scottish colony in ulster thus it comes to pass that the foundation of ulster society is scottish it is the solid granite on which it rests glory be the history of this scottish colony seems worth telling for it is a story of which any scotsman at home or abroad may be proud where is my crimson handkerchief its early history is quaint and interesting are italics there is much suffering and oppression in the story of the succeeding years are italics but there are flashes of brightness to relieve the gloom the men which this race of scotsmen has produced are worthy of the parent stock the contribution which this branch of the scottish nation has made to the progress of civilization proves that it has not forgotten the old ideals the portion of ireland which these scotsmen hold is so prosperous and contented that it permits our statesmen to forget that it is part of that most distressful country i venture to thank heaven and saint patrick that the statements we have last italicized and the word we have put in capital letters embody the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth examine them o sons of erin and take heed that you are the people and that the scotch are but the sons of belisle and astoroth what has holy ireland to do with these vapours these swaggerings these smitings of righteous breasts who be the grubby grimy galloway grasping governmental hucksters that so by implication and innuendo condemn you the proper and legitimate owners of ulster ask of the winds which far around strew scotchmen and the devil on the fair places of the earth you are innocent to put up with it you fought the landlords and beat them hollow we conquered you before and can do so again be done with this scotch obsession good can come out of ireland and irishmen as well as out of ulster and scotchmen lo that green island is yours not theirs seven-tenths of it are in your hands to do with as you will there is not perhaps another country on the face of the globe where more good solid work is waiting to be done where greater capacities lie dormant yet where trifling of all kinds so abounds that is the verdict of an irishman and an irish catholic upon you in sober truth you groan as england groans under the scotch superstition nobody can be prosperous in ireland save scotchmen nobody can manufacture but scotchmen nobody can farm but scotchmen the view is entirely false encourage it no longer remember who you are and make an end of trifling end of chapter seven recording by john brandon